With the New York Public Library setting the standard, more and more public librarians will begin spelling books with an E. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Public libraries, of course, have offered e-books on loan for many years, but few readers and not very many publishers were ever pleased with the experience. Andrew Albanese is senior writer at Publishers Weekly and joins me every Friday on Beyond the Book. This week, he reports for us on trends in e-book library lending that he thinks are worth shouting about. And welcome back to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. Well, indeed, it has been a few years in development, but a new app from the New York Public Library, Simply E, really represents, a, you think, a major step forward for library e-books. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. So in late July, the New York Public Library rolled out as much anticipation ebook app, uh, as you mentioned, is called Simply E, and it looks to solve a problem that has plagued library ebook users pretty much since the inception of the market, and that is dealing with those really clunky interfaces and registration requirements that have really frustrated users. Uh, and on that score, I can report right off top, uh, I think the app is a total success. Uh, the once cumbersome process of checking out a library ebook is now, through the Simply E app, down to three clicks or less, uh, just like any commercial content service. Now, lest our listeners think that that's really not a big deal, I assure you, it's a big deal. Uh, you know, the app actually comes in response to years of complaints from library ebook users as a growing array of vendors sort of emerged in the library ebook market. And some of our listeners might actually remember, I think it was 2011, the Tools of Change conference when uh, a librarian named Katie Dunbeck famously demonstrated the 21 steps that it took a library patron to navigate uh, before being able to actually access a library library ebook. Well, the Simply E app, you just download it from the App Store. It's free. And uh, right away, you are within three clicks reading an ebook, whether it's from Overdrive, Biblioteca, Baker & Taylor, any of the vendors. All that stuff is now in the background. All the user sees is a really nice interface. All right. And you're expecting that we're going to see this particular app emerge from uh, sort of the nest at the New York Public Library and arrive uh, at other libraries around the country. How will that happen? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's developed by a group called Library Simplified, which is a coalition of library and vendor partners and uh, various tech supporters uh, like the Redium Foundation and the IDPF. Uh, NYPL was the lead partner on this app, but a number of libraries participate in it. And it's all made with open source code and it's available for any library to take and they can improve on it, tinker with it, customize and brand the app for their own library system. Uh, and improvements are actually already underway. Currently, the app is available only for Android and iOS. It doesn't work for Kindle ebooks, PDFs or e-ink devices, for example. But NYPL uh, officials say that there's already things in the works like a Kindle Fire version, a desktop reader, uh, an MP3 audiobook form. Format, as well as developments like page bookmarking and text annotation. So all that stuff, we're going to see that in the Simply E app fairly soon, I believe. Uh, and here's the good news is that I believe that this Simply E app can really be the breakthrough that its creators envisioned for library ebook borrowing. Because as I said before, it's really easy. You just download the app for free, plug in your library card and PIN number, and right away you can start borrowing ebooks. Uh, that is just a huge development for the library ebook market. And as I said before, the interface is also nicely designed. In fact, it looks just like a commercial ebook platform. Uh, it highlights uh, various titles through thumbnails of book jackets. It organize, organizes them by fiction or non 
fiction or children's. Uh, it offers a range of different languages, which is important, I know, for library users. Uh, there's genres, bestsellers. It even includes staff picks. And there's also, of course, a search function. Uh, but most importantly, what really, really has to be emphasized here as advertised, uh, when you find a book you want, it's three clicks and you're reading the book. Uh, and the importance of that, I'll say it again, it cannot be overemphasized. That's a big deal. All right. So that's the good news. But I know Andrew Albanese. And if you tell me there's some good news, then I have to expect there'll be maybe some not so good news. So what is that not so good news? Ah, You know me so well. (laughs) Well, in Monday's issue, I offer my own little review of Simply E. uh, And I've been playing around with the app now for the last three weeks or so. And again, let me be clear. I am impressed. The app certainly does represent a major step forward. But my experience, you know, it did leave me feeling a little disappointed. And, you know, you can read about some of the challenges that I see facing the library ebook market in the column on Monday. Uh, but I'll, I'll share this with you now. My frustration in using the Simply E app was that few of the books that I wanted to read were actually available for checkout. In almost every case, and I mean almost every case in the beginning, the book that I wanted, I had to wait. Uh, and the wait times ranged up to 13 weeks in some cases. Now, the app, uh, and it's a good thing that the app actually allows you to make easy reservations on these titles and you can better, you know, manage your reservations, uh, through the app. But I, I doubt very much that being able to manage your disappointment more conveniently is a very strong selling point for a new app. You know, for regular library users, putting a book on hold is probably old hat. But for new users, people were trying to get to come to the library and to read more books, read more digital books. Uh, These are users who are conditioned by their online experiences, whether it's Amazon or Netflix, to expect immediate gratification. You know, I wonder if being told that, hey, that book you want that's in all the store windows, yeah, you can have it in the fall, if that's going to start turning them away from the library. Uh, Now, of course, traditional publishers have actually endorsed the idea of this kind of customer dissatisfaction as a way of balancing the market and protecting their book sales. Uh, You know, you can't make it too easy for people to read The Logic Goes. And our listeners will recall that... uh, the, the whole times and the cumbersome borrowing processes were colorfully dubbed friction by publishers, and they were just, you know, considered part of the price of reading books without paying. But, you know, frankly, I think those days are gone. With so many free and cheap options now competing for consumer attention on our phones and on our tablets, whether it's social media or YouTube or self-published books and blogs or hours of premium TV, including this, you know, gold rush of high quality original programming from the Netflixes and Amazons and Hulu. You know, I just don't think that friction is a very smart strategy for the book business as it seeks to grow readership. So for me, the success of Simply E and making the lending of ebooks easier raises the bar to a level that I'm not sure the library ebook market can clear at this time. I mean, if your service is going to look and feel like any other commercial content service out there, users are going to expect it to work like that. And that I was unable to get the book that I wanted to read made me feel like maybe the library was not an option. And I wonder for new users if they're going to feel that too. And I think that's too bad. And I really think publishers and libraries, now that we have this app, uh, that the game has been raised here, that we really have to find ways to work better together, whether that means lowering ebook prices so libraries can buy more digital editions, or whether that means uh, trying new models, uh, multi-access models, you know, anything other than the one user, one copy model, maybe just to even meet peak demand periods. I don't know what that is. Uh, these are not easy answers, I, I grant you, but something has to happen. Uh, look at it this way. I 
I think it would be a real shame if all the work that went into developing an app that greatly simplifies the process of checking out an ebook from the library serves mostly to highlight just how frustrating it still is to actually get that book from your library. All right. So you're talking about frustrations. Did you finally manage to get something to read with this? <laughs> I did, actually. Uh, I was able to pick up The Goldfinch by Donna Tartt, which won the Carnegie Award for Fiction and a little prize known as the Pulitzer in 2014, I believe. Uh, so I now have 21 days to read The Goldfinch, all 800 or so pages. So probably not going to make it. Well, do your best there. And uh, you can write the book report for us. Uh, but, but on the ebook side, new numbers uh, that come out this week uh, from HarperCollins show that ebooks are continuing to slide, at least for them. We've talked a lot about that on this program, about uh, when publishers are going to start being concerned about this drop-off in their ebook business. And I have to wonder at this point, is it possible they simply don't care? It's not only possible, I have to say that I think it's likely that the major publishers really don't care about the slide in ebook sales. And I say that because we've been talking about it for a long time on this show. It's been going on for a while. It's been a number of quarters now where ebooks have been sliding precipitously. And yet when we hear the various CEOs reports of their quarterly results, they all sound, you know, pretty delighted that print is rebounding. Now, whether or not we're driving readers away from digital and into the arms of print, I, I can't say for sure. But the lack of concern at this point about ebook sales flagging tells me that there, there has to be some kind of deliberate strategy at work here uh, to build up print in favor of digital. And of course, that would make perfect sense, if not, you know, perfect long-term business sense. You know, and as you said, HarperCollins reported its fourth quarter and year-end sales this week, and you can read about that in Monday's issue as well. Uh, I'll give you the basic gist. It was a strong fourth quarter for HarperCollins, uh, but total revenue for the full year fell about 1.2%. But in his talk uh, about the quarterly results, Harper CEO Brian Murray observed that ebook pricing and business models are finally settling down with the end of like court order discounting following the Apple trial, etc., and that they're now able to get sort of a real apples to apples comparison about where the ebook market is. And he suggested that you know the rise in print sales the last fiscal year uh, was probably due to the smaller difference between the prices of ebooks, uh, which have been raised after the discounting ended, and that of discounted hardcovers. And indeed, he's right. If you go on Amazon, the price of a front list ebook, uh, a brand new ebook, is about the same as a discounted hardcover. There's maybe a dollar difference or less uh, for many books. And he also, you know, says something about screen fatigue, but I'm not sure that that's really happening among readers. It's hard to pin that down. But again, the words of Murray lead me to believe that that's not someone who's really alarmed by the decline in his digital sales. Uh, you know, for some time on this program, I've been suggesting that publishers really should be concerned about declining digital sales. I know personally, I'd be a little concerned about the decline in digital sales, but I guess I'm just going to stop that now and accept that whatever is happening may in fact just be happening by design. Uh, indeed. Uh, that's Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer. We look forward to his reporting from the book world every Friday. Andrew, thanks for joining us on Beyond the Book. My pleasure as always. Screen fatigue may be a complaint for some publishers, but it isn't something that bothers Neil DeYoung, Executive Director of Hachette Digital. On our podcast, available from Monday, August 15th, Neil tells me why every publisher needs to get closer to the consumer, also known as the reader, wherever they find them, even on screens. We spoke after his recent appearance at the Yale Publishing Course. We compete against everything else that that phone or tablet or that desktop can do. And 
you know, not everything needs interactivity or a different experience. Uh, the experience I used in the lecture was The Goldfinch by Donna Tartt. It's a gorgeous book that doesn't need interactivity. It's beautiful on its own. There's lots of other content, though, that can be improved um, or interacted with differently, uh, whether it be a cookbook, whether it be a devotional, whether it be a, a sci-fi novel, things with giant worlds, complex content, ways for us. To, we look at content that you know makes sense to be reevaluated and reimagined. Um, and if it doesn't need to be, then it doesn't need to be. To hear my complete interview with Neil DeYoung, subscribe to our free podcast series on iTunes or at beyondthebook.com. You can also follow Beyond the Book on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center with its subsidiaries RightsDirect in the Netherlands and Ixis in the United Kingdom. CCC is a global leader in content workflow, document delivery, text and data mining, and rights licensing technology. Beyond the Book co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. 